darling, you send me. I know you send me. Honest, you do. Honest, you do. Honest, you do. Whoa! <laughs> Sam Cook, ladies and gentlemen, the incomprehensible and gone too early, too young. Sam Cook. I'm in a mood. It's Dapper Dividends 26, and I am singing my blues away. I'm singing the Neo blues away. So I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, tell you all about Neo. What's going on? This is Dapper Dividends 26. I am your host, Russ, and I'm going to get to the housekeeping real quick. At the start of this episode, I had 721 plays, which is an increase of 54 plays from Friday. Hell yeah, 54. I love it. For me, that's big. That is so motivating. That's cool. My audience size is now an estimated 29. And as always, my wallet from what I've been paid from Anchor. What has Anchor paid me? Terrible, aren't $7.29. So let's just jump right into it. What did I buy? In my taxable account, I've only bought a couple things this week. I think the market is going to finally turn a corner here. I've been saying that for weeks and months now, but I think this is finally going to be it. I bought in celebration of the dividend increase, Duke, ticker symbol D-U-K, at $80.22. Some news with the energy companies, uh, Dominion, and their selling of the pipeline to Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> bargain basement rock bottom prices and then buying back shares tank their stock about 11% so uh, my good good friend Ian Lopik if you have not checked out PPC Ian on YouTube you've gotta gotta check him out he just did a video on Dominion Energy and why Duke is the superior company which I of course wholeheartedly agree with and then I also bought some more Pepsi I added to my Pepsi shares and I bought those at $132.55. So my guys on the Dividend Talk podcast, their third episode, I would also recommend checking that out. Uh, Engineer My Freedom, who goes by the initials EMF. That always throws me because of that song that was in the 90s, Unbelievable by EMF. You're unbelievable. Oh, I'm sure you've heard it. Uh, again, I'm not doing it any justice. Go to YouTube, check out EMF. But for a greater and longer lasting reward, I would check out EMF, Engineer My Freedom, and the European Dividend Growth Investor, that's EuroDGI. They have a collaborative podcast together. Uh, EMF is in Ireland and DGI is in the Netherlands. And it is just fabulous. I, I'm really loving their perspective from Europe. Very cool, very good to make you a better investor. Get that international perspective. And I just don't mean Canada for international for you North American listeners or south of the border in Mexico. I'm talking way across the pond. So somewhere you can't get in a a day drive. Anyways, what was I talking about? So they talked about Pepsi and I bought some more shares of Pepsi. I really am thrilled with what they did with their snacks.com and pantryshop.com. So if you are not aware, I think this is potentially disruptive in the 
uh, consumer staple sector. They started during the pandemic, during the height of the pandemic. Well, they first of all, right before they increased their dividend, so props to Pepsi, but they are doing direct to the consumer snacks and food pantry items. Real cool. Check out snacks.com or foodpantry.com. Self-explanatory. I really like it. I think it's something very different and I think they are evolving and growing and trying to stay ahead of the curve. So I'm going to keep buying Pepsi. They're a behemoth of a company. They have so many brands bringing in them, bringing in them, bringing them so much money, so much revenue, massive amounts of cash flow. I think they're going to be just fine in the long haul. So I bought more Pepsi. And then I also on yesterday, so Neo is going to be a little bit central to this. Neo has been just blowing up. I have a covered call contract out there for 100 shares. So 100 of my shares are going to be spoken for, I think. Stay tuned. And then I had another 50 shares left over. So I had 150 shares of Neo at $6.91 average. I sold 29 of those shares and I sold those at $12.10. And then when I divided the profit by um, the share price, it gave me 21. So I kept 21 shares and those are my free shares of NEO. I'm probably gonna hang on to those. I'm gonna give it many years. Uh, maybe I'll add a few more just cause I hate seeing that 21. I'd rather see it at a 25. So with all the buzz and you got people on Stocktwits talking it's going to 100 bucks and more and it's gonna follow Tesla. I don't know, I know they have some debt and they're playing catch up, but I do like them. I just wanted to lock in some of those profits. So in the IRA, my self-directed IRA, where I share the portfolio with each and all of you, where you can actually download the spreadsheet, use it for yourself, uh, make it your own, do what you want to do with it. Uh, you can go to YouTube and type in Dapper Dividends spreadsheet. So I don't remember if I had podcast or spreadsheet, but Dapper Dividends spreadsheet. You can download copy right there. It'll take you to the sheets. You can use it. I do a little self-explanatory video. Anyway, so in the self-directed IRA where I took $30,000 out of my main traditional IRA and moved it over to Schwab, and I've been talking about that, I bought three shares of Johnson & Johnson at $143.29. It still has a decent PE value. It's still pretty low. I think it's probably about fair value to maybe slightly undervalued, but it's just a beast. J&J is a super, super safe beast, and it is basically a bond proxy. It's like a high yield savings account, whatever you want, however you want to look at it. It's very hard to go wrong with J&J. And as I always say, one of my favorite quotes from Buffett is price is what you pay, but value is what you get. And with J&J, you are getting that value for the price. And with a company like Neo, maybe, maybe one day, but not today. It's super risky. It's super open to manipulation, which is I'm worrying that there's some funny business going on between China and those entities that are capable of buying massive, massive share quantities and moving that price. So three J and J at 143.29, and then I added three more Exxon Mobil ticker symbol XOM at $43.90. Uh, that's been something I've loved adding. I'm still adding to ExxonMobil in both the taxable and the IRA account. I think they are so big. They are a mega cap. They're over $200 billion. 
They are massive. They are fully integrated, upstream, midstream, and downstream. They're going to be able to weather this storm. I would not be shocked if they had a slight divvy cut or reduction. I was actually expecting it, hoping against it, and so far both Chevron and ExxonMobil have not gone down that path like Royal Dutch Shell did. So no worries for me, I'll just keep buying ExxonMobil. I love buying it here in the low $40. And then I also bought two shares of S-Box, two shares of Starbucks at $74.23, which again is fair value for Starbucks, but that's okay. I hold, I'm planning on holding these shares in my taxable account until I die and hopefully I can pass them on to my grandkids and then obviously I'm going to eventually have to sell everything out of the self-directed IRA which kind of sucks you know that kind of makes me sad I'm going to buy these companies doing all this work and then when I hit that what is it 70 and a half I think it is and it just really sucks that one day I'm going to have to sell those shares just get rid of them after building them up all this time watching all those dividends compound and uh, but I have to play the game. What can I do? It's time to play the game. What was that from wrestling? That was Motorhead. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> My mind can go off pretty quick if I don't hit that stop button, which I'm not going to here. You're just going to have to sit and listen to that. So anyway, I also I'm watching Walmart. There's some very interesting news today about Walmart. Now, my daughter Ivy does own Walmart in her custodial account. And if you remember, I had did a Dividends Now experiment where I was trying to get a year's worth of dividends in a short period of time. So say a company pays $2 in dividends per year, I would buy the share at, I don't know, $100 and sell it at $102 to get that two years worth of dividends paid now in like, yeah, I don't know, a week or less relatively quickly so in my entire family uh, outright not even part of an ETF that's uh, gonna be in you know part of mutual funds we only owe one share of Walmart and I wish I would have changed that because today Walmart jumped up eight dollars into the aftermarket it continued going aftermarket after hours and they are trying to compete with Amazon they're gonna go to a subscription-based service a direct answer to the behemoth it's like two it's like Godzilla and Mothra fighting changing blows Amazon is obviously Godzilla but hey you know Walmart's like Mothra it can do damage it can hold its own and uh, if it wasn't scripted I think Mothra might have given uh, might have given Godzilla a run for its money it I think it I don't know if it's in it is Godzilla male or female we assume it's a male. I'm sure the person inside the costume was a male, but my analogy stands. If there was no script, I think that Mothra could have taken Godzilla, but another discussion for another day that we'll never have because I'm just not a fan of Godzilla and it'll probably never be brought up again on this program. So rest in peace, Godzilla. So now the meat and potatoes, Neo, Neo, Neo. What has been going on with Neo? It has been a very strange ride with myself and neo i had bought some shares speculatively i cannot talk tonight speculatively i had bought some shares in late 2018 actually at the ipo or about the day after the ipo i bought those on september 13th of 2018 and i have held them for all that time at one point i was down 858 dollars so my average is six dollars and 91 cents 
in uh, late September of 2019, the thing was at a dollar and 19 cents at the bottom. I just resigned it to go bankrupt. I was down 83%. And I said, you know what, I'm down this far. This is just a stark reminder of why I'm not a trader. I'm a bad, horrible, terrible trader. Uh, I'm a wonderful dividend growth investor. So I was down 83%. Fast forward 10 months to today, I am up 125% on NEO. Now, because I'm nervous about Chinese stocks, I'm nervous about luck and coffee, I am nervous that they don't have the same scrutiny and they don't have the same SEC regulatory audit that happens to all the rest of the other companies. We have to go on the word of China and the word of independent auditors that say that, yeah, their numbers are not misaligned. They're not uh, missing a zero here or there or have a zero added on or funny business. But I'm nervous about the Chinese stocks. And after being down 83% to shooting up to 125%, at one point I said, I will just be happy if I can get my 10% loss back, if I could get two down 10%. So as Neil was starting to creep up into the fives in June, uh, June 15th is when I sold that covered call for 70 cents a share or $70. And as I said, the bad part is when you sell a covered call, I sold that for $7. It means my upside is capped at $7. So the person that bought it, their break even is $7 plus the premium, which in this case was 70 cents. So their break even is $7.70. So as soon as it goes by past $7.70, they are in the money and they're going to start making bank. And boy, oh boy, did this thing shoot up into the money. Uh, yeah, it closed around thirty. It closed uh, thirteen something. Anyway, right now it's at thirteen dollars and thirty-two cents in after hours trading. And that covered call I sold for seventy cents or seventy dollars is now worth. At one point today, it was six dollars and eighty-five cents or six hundred and eighty-five dollars. Now. I had thought about buying it back earlier in the day. Neo dipped to about, or the, the contract dipped. When Neo dipped to under $11 a share, the contract dipped to about $3.70 or $370. And I thought about buying it back and I stupidly waited. I only had about $410 cash in my account with Schwab. And the way it works with Schwab is that you have to, at least the way my account's set up, I have to transfer money in and then wait overnight so that'll be in there tomorrow so i could have bought it back for 370 dollars, sold it for 685 if i was psychic and sold it at the peak but i didn't and now i have a very very crucial decision to make i can do something called rolling it up and out so tomorrow now remember i only have until friday about an hour before market close and then that contract is gone if the whoever's holding it doesn't assign the shares and close it out at that point so i can buy the contract back and it'll probably end up costing me about 600 bucks i'm hoping maybe to get it in the low 500s so if neo drops tomorrow i may be able to get it cheaper i can buy that contract back say i buy it back for $525. I was looking at the options chain and there are calls 
that are August 24th, $9, and those were going for about $520 uh, today. So that does two things. I may take a little bit of a haircut on buying the contract back. Say I bought it back for $550 and I sold another one for $520. That'd be a loss of $30, right? But if I bought the $7 back and I sold a $9, that would be giving me an extra $200 if the shares were called away. So it's you can hear the frustration in my voice. I was okay with the shares being called away because I thought maybe it would pop to about, you know, eight fifty nine dollars a share by Friday, and you know then they'd get called away, and I would have missed out on about, you know, I would have missed out on a hundred fifty or two hundred dollars of upside. But boy, this thing was pushing for fourteen today, which really sucks. But that's what happens with covered calls. It's funny. Yeah, so, you know, I, yeah, I am upset that they're probably going to be called away because I could have made more. But I mean, I'm just rewinding 10 months ago when I was looking at Neo at $1.19 a share and saying, you know, I just I wish I, I could get a 10% loss. So as it stands, if these get called away and, and it just blows up into the 15, 16s tomorrow, I'm not I'm not paying eight or nine hundred dollars for that contract. I mean, it's somebody's happy. Somebody paid $70 and it's potentially worth you know, 700 bucks. So super good for them. That's the thing with options. Um, I'd rather be on the selling end of them because it's like you're selling a lottery ticket. And it turns out at this time I may have sold a winning lottery ticket, but I will not lose money. It is impossible to lose money. And if my shares are called away, I will still make, I will be paid the $700 for the 100 shares at $7, which is what the contract was for. Plus the 70 cent premium and then from 691 my average to 7 is an extra 9 bucks so i will make $79 and i will get $700 to buy some beautiful dividend stocks that'll make me feel a little better to get some more annual income built up but tomorrow is going to be critical and as i was looking let me tell you a few things i look at on my chart the rsi is one so the rsi measures um the speed and change of of the price movement of a share of stock and there's a 70 line and a 30 line so when it goes above the 70 line there's a very strong possibility and almost certainty that it will come back down in price for some time and consolidate or just keep dropping through so when it's over 70 it is overbought it means there are so many shares bought that it's almost not profitable for people to keep buying so it's almost like some selling will incur and then conversely if it drops below the 30 line it means it's oversold so there's been so many shares sold that it's going to be attractive for people to start buying uh, it's not a science it's not guaranteed it's just something that's likely to happen can't predict the time when it will happen you just know that it's going to so so that's neo for all y'all it is overbought it's way above all its moving averages i mean for god's sake the 200 day moving average is three dollars and 47 cents that can show you how high above its moving average it is but as i tweeted out today it doesn't matter what all these indicators and charts and patterns and uh, technical analysis that people give you all that matters is the market is like a big auction place all you need is one person to buy from one person selling and that's all that matters it doesn't matter if you think it's overpriced kind of like a house supply and demand that's all it takes baby supply and demand the market is a big auction place and when shares are hot 
everybody wants them so just naturally like anything like the furbies anything you can think of the price is going to shoot way up so no different in the market and follow me at rustyram78 where i tweet out every day uh, check out my YouTube channel. I'm doing this like, little experiment that I started where I put $50 into the Stash app, the Worthy Bonds app, and the Acorns app. And then I'm adding $20 a month for two years and sharing that experience every week. And in the Stash app, I put money into, I only pick three, J&J, Apple, and Procter and & Gamble. And whatever one of those is the lowest each week, I'm dumping five bucks into don't care, no valuations, no nothing. I want to see what that looks like after a couple of years compared to Worthy Bonds and to the ETFs that are inside of Acorns. So follow me there. I'm going to take a little quick break. Throat's dry. Got to get some water. And I'm going to tell you a very interesting story that goes with the song I am playing that goes back to when I was in sixth grade. So stick around, check it out. I'll be back. So first things first, I am leaving Saturday morning, early Saturday morning to go with the family, with the fam, to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I've never been there before. I'm interested to check it out. We're going to hit the beach. I guess you don't need masks on the beach. So we're going to try and hang around the hotel and I guess see the boardwalk and spend a lot of time frolicking in the Atlantic Ocean. I'm going to try and do my podcast and my other things I know I'll do a podcast for sure, and I'm going to try and record out of my phone. So we'll see how that goes. I don't have my nice microphone set up. I'm not lugging that all the way down there. So uh, I will get something out. And now the song of the show. So I have not listened to this song for probably, man, I can't even remember. It's going to be at least 15 years, maybe. It's been a long time since I listened to this song. So this is the first song that I ever slow danced with a girl too. Now you can hear this song on the Dapper Dividends playlist. So you can go to YouTube and check that out. All the songs are there. So every time I play a song on here or play a song, I, I talk about a song that makes me smile is what I'm doing. So it was, I was in sixth grade. This was at Pershing Elementary School in Berwyn, Illinois, circa 1989, 90. Uh, yeah, probably the winter of 89. So right before the turn of the last decade of the century. And the first time I danced with a girl whose name was Jenny Rinaldi, Jennifer Rinaldi. I had had a crush on her since fourth grade. I transferred from Hiawatha Elementary School into, um, into Pershing Elementary School from third to fourth grade. So I started there in fourth grade. And right away, I had a crush on this girl. I remember she had a acid wash jean jacket, and I had to have one. Of course, the boy kind of one, which everybody was wearing them. Um, so I had that. And boy, I was always shy around girls and kind of childlike in a sense, in a way. Now, I had always had crushes on girls. And as my wife tells me, I am different because when she was young and around boys, she said nothing. She thought they were icky, but myself... I guess I was different. Kindergarten, Carrie Sangstock from Hiawatha Elementary School. I had a big crush on her. When I was around her, my stomach would feel funny. And we had a garage sale when I was in kindergarten in the summer. 
So I guess this was between kindergarten and first grade. And her and her mom came to the garage sale and I froze up. I didn't know what to say. I'll never forget that. I freaked out. And that's kind of my men, been my MO around girls. Well, at least until I was in the Navy, then, uh, and then things changed. Daddy grew up a little bit then. So, anywho, back to the story. We had a dance. It was our first dance. And I was too scared to ask her out. And one of her friends, now, actually, there was two rooms. So there was two classes, and she was always in the other class. Ever since fourth grade, she was never in the same class as me. So uh, I guess it was a long-distance infatuation or something. There was a few times in in, four, in fourth grade that we passed a few notes in the hall. It wasn't even anything sappy. It was like one of the things she gave me was a refrigerator it was a cutout of a like almost like an origami refrigerator and I remember she gave it to me and I just thought that was the most amazing thing and anyway I was shy around her for all those years and I always wanted to say something so we had our first junior high dance and again this is going back to 89 90 so I was 12 years old and I danced with her for the first time I remember I had to have her friend tell me like she wants you to ask her to dance and I was like oh, did you sure I can't yeah I was so nervous and I just I just did it and I was shaking in my boots so we so to speak and we danced to that song and then she moved away at the end of sixth grade I never got up the courage to ask her out that's kind of when people started dating I remember that's when um, kids would go on dates I don't even know what they did but it was weird in my family we were very born-again Christian religious so um, I was confused about a lot of things at the time but I knew I liked her I wasn't confused about that at all and I never did get up the courage to ask her out but I kept saying I was going to and I waited too long and Scott Weselowski asked her out they dated for the rest of the year and then I just said you know what if they break up I'm gonna do it I'm just gonna do it like I asked her to dance and then I heard she moved away to down south Illinois you know a few hours away and that was the last time I ever saw Jenny Rinaldi I never got to ask her out and it kind of continued through high school for me that I was just so shy around girls I just I would just lock up and I would think you know what I'll ask them tomorrow all right tomorrow I know what I'm gonna say oh right, tomorrow and it would, tomorrow would never come. I was just so shy. I was so afraid of making, of, of being laughed at and being rejected that I reserved to think, I resigned myself to think that it would be better to not ask and not be rejected than to have to worry about rejection. So if you're young and listening, it's different now. Damn, these kids with their cell phones, it would have been so much easier to text her. Ugh, can't go back. So Anyways, I can still see to my head when I close my eyes and I put on this song, just the biggest smile came on my face because I remember walking over to her because it was a slow dance starting and I remember people were breaking off and she was kind of waiting because I think her friend put a bug in her ear. So I uh, asked her to dance and it was that typical just, you know, arms length apart 
uh, her hands on my hips, my hands on her shoulders. <laughs> they never moved the whole time, just swaying back and forth. And I don't even know if we talked. I, I kind of remember looking around at people and feeling so uncomfortable. But what a seminal moment in this young man's life that I will never forget. And the song we danced to was Toy Soldiers by Martika. So that song just will always have a special place in a young man's heart. So go to YouTube, check out Martika Toy Soldiers. It's on the Dapper Dividends podcast playlist. And I will be back to talk to you on Friday night, hopefully early, because I got to get up very early on Saturday morning to fly out to South Carolina. Follow me on RustyRam78 at Twitter. Let me know if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything I can do differently. And you know what? With this podcast, I was afraid to get started it's kind of like asking Jenny Rinaldi to dance for the first time. I just decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump in and start. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow and I'm going to get better at it. So if you listen to the Dividend Talk podcast, they had a guest on, Daniel Horich, and he had a very fantastic quote that I don't remember hearing. As he said, you will never be the best version of yourself. So there's always room for improvement. I love that. That is so cool. It tells me that no matter how long I live, I'm always going to have something to learn and room for improvement. But what I like to say is everyone you meet has something to teach you. So next time you meet a stranger or somebody that's young, old, you don't want to talk to, talk to that person and find out what it is that they have to teach you, whether it's about food, life, sports, anything at all. Anything that you can learn from another person, and I consider that a success. So thanks for the support. This went almost 30 minutes. I'm getting worse. I don't know if that's a good thing or or not that this is going longer. Anyways, gracias por su apoyo. Thank you for your support. I will talk to you on Friday.